0: Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you are doing well and you are blessed. Praise the Lord. Uh, We have been talking about the subject of, of God's grace and man's faith. And today I'm going to start, I'm going to continue talking about the subject of faith and I want to talk to you about the expressions of faith, the expressions of faith. Because faith has to be expressed and how faith is exp- expressed. And there's two expressions of faith. One is, is uh, speaking the word. These are the two primary expressions of faith. One is speaking the word and the other is prayer. So let's go into those. And uh, when it comes to speaking the word, Jesus healed, healed large numbers of, numbers of people. By just speaking to them. He just spoke his word and he healed them. And we see that throughout the four Gospels. How many people were healed by Jesus. And he he would just speak to them. He would say, your faith has healed you. Be healed. You know, I mean, he wouldn't pray for them. He would just speak his word. And they were healed. Healed by him speaking his word. So the other thing was that when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he defeated Satan by speaking the word. By speaking the word. He spoke the word and he defeated Satan. Now, if Jesus, just think, if Jesus, who is the living word of God, if he needed to speak the word to defeat the devil, how much more don't you and I need to speak the word to defeat the devil? So speaking the word is very important. And we'll talk later on about the importance of speaking the word and about the power of the spoken word, why it is important. Okay. Okay. And uh, this is something we have to uh, develop and practice in our lives. And speaking the word is a great tool, both of personal spiritual growth and to overcome the works of Satan. So speaking the word is something, uh, you, you know, l- 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 let me be very clear with you. There are people out there who are against the confession of the word of God and, and, uh, and who are against, you know, when we talk about speaking the word, don't listen to them. Jesus spoke the word and he spoke the word to work miracles. He spoke the word to defeat Satan. And we also have to do the same as believers. So speaking the word is a powerful tool, both for personal development and also to defeat devils and defeat demons and defeat diseases. And so we have to use this uh, for in our life and in our personal ministry and in our growth, okay? This is something which is totally, totally important. It's an imperative. So now let's go to Mark chapter 11. I'm going to read to you from verse 12 and says, And on the morrow they were come from Bethany, and he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if happily he might find anything thereon and when he came to it he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet let us let us pause here for a while jesus had come out of bethany and he was hungry and said then he saw a fig tree having leaves and he came if he might find anything thereon but when he came to it he found nothing but leaves because simple reason it was not the time of figs now don't you think Jesus knew it was not the time for figs? Because figs are seasonal fruit. Certain fruits, they grow year-round. Other fruits are seasonal. And figs are seasonal fruit. And so he and so he knew, being a son of the soil, being a local, he knew it was not time for figs. But what was he looking for? And this is a little... Side note, it has nothing to do with our subject. Fig trees have a very unique feature. If you grow in the Middle East, grow up in the Middle East, you will understand this. What happens with fig trees is that long before the season for figs, the season itself, every branch on the fig tree where a fruit would subsequently appear, uh, there appear these small pods, and every each pod would be would indicate the place where. A fruit would grow in season. So the owners of the trees what they used to do they used to go and check the fruit uh, the tree whether this is a good tree or not by looking through the branches to see if they could see any parts. So if they saw lots of parts then they would know uh-uh, this is a good tree and when the season comes a few months down the road there's going to be plenty of fruit. But if there were no pots if there were only leaves what he would do, he would cut down the tree, throw it into the fire. And the Bible says that every tree that doesn't bear fruit will be cut down, thrown into the fire. And he planted a new one in its place. And so so when Jesus came, I believe what he was looking for to see, was to see whether the tree was a good tree or not. Whether it had any parts or not. Because this is not about him being hungry. This is not about figs it is about him using a fig tree to teach them a lesson on faith. So he looked at this tree and he found nothing but leaves. So he ascertained that this tree was not a good tree. And so he decided he's going to use this tree as a lesson on faith. Now I want you to understand this is because God never curses anything which is fruitful. God never curses anything which is fruitful. So when he ascertained that this was not a good tree, so this is what he does in, in, in verse 14. He says, And Jesus answered and said unto, him, unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem. And Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and they sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when evening was come, he went out of the city." So Jesus, you know, he cursed the fig tree. Then he went on his way to Jerusalem and the famous story about how he cleaned out the money changers and all that from the temple. And now in the evening, he's going back out of the city. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the root. So in the morning, the next morning, that is 24 hours later. So remember, the last morning, Jesus had cursed the fig tree. And this is 24 hours later. The next morning, uh, Jesus he passed that same spot and they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and Peter calling to remembrance, he said, reminded Jesus, he said, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered, have faith in God. Now let us pause here. Why? This is interesting because if you look at the sequence of events, Jesus cursed the fig tree and it is very evident from the story that when he had spoken to the fig tree and he turned away, the fig tree looked exactly the same as it did before Jesus had cursed it. It took 24 hours for the word that came out of the mouth of Jesus to work until the tree was actually shriveled up. Okay, now Why did it take 24 hours? Why didn't it happen instantly? Because many, many times Jesus would speak the word and things would happen instantly. Why did it take 24 hours? You know, want to know the answer? I don't know. Neither does anybody else. We don't know why. All I know is two things. Firstly, that the word of God always works. The word of God always works. I believe that tree effectively died the moment Jesus spoke to it, but it took 24 hours for that, that, that manifestation in the sense that the tree actually dried up. It took 24 hours. Why did it take so much time? We don't know. So, first thing, we know that God's word always works because it did work. The tree did dry up. Second thing, is why did it take time? I don't know. But we know this thing. That miracles sometimes take time. Why do miracles take time? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us why miracles can at times take, t- take time. But we do know this much that God always hears us. I remember when I was in Gorzowia, Kopolska in Poland. Uh, many, many years ago. And I was in a... Uh, preaching in a church in Gozo, and there were uh, hundreds of people there, and there were several people who were who were on wheelchairs, people who were paraplegics who was healed. But then there was a 17-year-old boy, and his parents came rolling the wheelchair, and they said, Pastor, um, this this is our son, and he didn't get healed. I said, Listen, don't say he didn't get healed. He is healed. She, they said, Really? I said, because God is working in his body. One good thing about those Catholic people is that if you're a man of God, they'll believe what you say. They won't talk back or argue at you. And because they have the highest respect for men of God. And so I said, listen, God is working in your son's body right now. Even as we are talking, God is working because God always hears us. So this is what I want you to do. I said, if you say, why didn't God heal our son? it wasn't god's will maybe sometimes god doesn't want to heal because of his sovereign will you you talk you talk things like that i said you'll kill the miracle that god is doing in him so this is what you do you thank god you said thank you jesus that that uh, the man of god prayed for our son but thank you most of all that our lord jesus died on the cross carrying our son's diseases and infirmities and by his stripes our son is healed so i thank you jesus that you are working in his body you, I said that you should say this every day. I said, Do you promise me? They said, Yes. I said, Say this every day. So they, you know, I saw them a year later. I was in Poznan, which is, I think, an hour, hour and a half away, and they came or two hours, something like that. They came to Poznan. They said, uh, Pastor Christopher, do you remember us? I said, No. They said, Well, remember, we brought our son to, uh, to you. Uh, in, in Gozo I said, yeah, what happened And They said, well, you know, we, we did what you said. And we did the first day, the second day, the third day. We didn't see any change, but we kept on doing it because you're a man of God. You told us to to just thank Jesus because he was doing his work in our son's body. And he said, uh, what happened is that after some time, after some week, We actually began to see the changes. It was so slow that it wasn't even noticeable in the beginning. And and when we began to see the changes, we began to speak. He says, first it was one arm and then the other arm, then one leg and other leg. And they said that now it took a whole year, but our son is healed. They said that he is 100% healed except one leg that's 99% healed. Healed. I don't know what they meant by that but God is doing that also. But our son is normal. He's up, he's up and walking around doing everything else that everyone does. So uh, you see, we don't know, but when God is moving in that way, uh, if, if that's the way God chooses to heal somebody, because you remember God always hears prayer. He doesn't go against his word. So it is very important that you work with him instead of stopping and saying, well, he didn't get healed. How do you know he didn't get healed? How did you know God didn't want to heal him? Maybe God wanted to do something slowly over a period of time. You, you don't know. I don't know either. So it's better to work with God, than begin to question him by saying, well, God didn't heal, I guess this time, or build a doctrine around it. Well, you know, the sovereignty of God and God didn't want to heal our son. He has his own reasons and we don't question him. Don't say those things because that kind of thing is not found in the Bible. If you and I are going to open our mouths and say something, it is better that we say what the Bible says. Okay, I don't want to be rude, but I'm very emphatic about this. It's better we stay with the scriptures and then go outside the scriptures and then we make up all these reasons. Because, listen, if I pray for somebody and he doesn't get healed Immediately I will never say God didn't heal him. I'll tell people that you thank God that he's working and because God is working and I've seen things my own in my own life and some of you people watching me you have seen things in your own life where things have taken time and sometimes weeks, months, at times even years and we have learned not to give up. We have learned to thank God because in the midst of that slow process We have seen the hand of God. Hallelujah. So please take this to heart. Okay. So anyway, so that's, that's what happens. But the third thing, the interesting thing is that Peter did not rejoice when Jesus had cursed the fig tree, but Peter, he rejoiced when he saw the tree dried up. He saw the tree shriveled up. That's when he rejoiced. And that's when Jesus says, when Jesus, Peter said, Lord, the tree is dried up, and what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Peter, have faith in God. Now, this is interesting because have faith in God, in the Greek, it actually means have the faith of God. That's what it means. It doesn't say have faith in God, but it says have the faith of God. In other words, Jesus is talking about two kinds of faith. And what he's basically saying to Peter is, Peter, you have the man kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. The man kind of faith is seeing and believing. That means you see something and you believe it if you see it. But the God kind of faith, you believe it and then you'll see it. That's the God kind of faith. Because the believing comes before the seeing. And because this is, look at verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. So here we see that principle of believing is, is seeing. He says, If you say to this mountain, Don't you know, be removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and you shall not doubt in your heart, but you shall believe that those things which He says shall come to pass, ye shall have whatsoever you're saying." So that means you say, you believe, you believe and you say, and he says, "You shall have whatsoever you say." But I want to emphasize something here in this verse, because in this verse 23, when Jesus said that, the word "believe" occurs only once. But the way say occurs three times. The emphasis here is not on believing, but the emphasis here is speaking with your mouth. It's saying. I repeat. In verse 23, Jesus says, believe only once. But he says, the word say, you shall have what you say. He says the word says. Three times the emphasis is on saying. And I say this, you know, sometimes people say, well, I'm believing God. Listen, it doesn't matter what you say you are believing God. The thing is, what do you say with your mouth? What do you say with your mouth? Speak the word with your mouth. Speak the word of God over your circumstances. Speak the word of God over your disease. Speak the word of God over whatever is happening around you. Because you see, (coughs) let me just say this plainly. Most of us, we believe the right thing, but we speak of the top of the top of your head. I mean, have you met people who if you ask them, how are you doing? Now, there's a person who believes Jesus bore his diseases and by stripes and I'm, I'm healed. He believes that. But when you say, how are you feeling, brother? He immediately launches into a litany of all his troubles. And, you know, I hope this goes away. You know, I don't know. You know, I'm trusting God. Now, listen. You're speaking on the top of your head. You're not speaking your faith. So that's why it is important what you say. What you say is more important than what you claim to believe. So when people say, well, I'm believing God. And I always say, brother, it doesn't matter what you believe God. A lot of people say they believe in a lot of things. But the important thing is what is coming out of your mouth. Because if it doesn't say that, you, that he shall not doubt in his heart, you know, that he shall have whatsoever he believes. He doesn't say that. He says... He shall have whatsoever he says, so this is my advice to you and this is an advice I give to myself this is I what I live by and what I say to you is this that you see, take God's word, I'm not talking about mind over matter or some metaphysical positive confession that if you say something long enough, it's going to happen. It doesn't happen that way. Because if you could just say something long enough and make it it happen, then you would be God. And I know you are not God and I'm not God. We are mere humans, but what we do have is the word of the living God that is given to us. And that is the sword of the spirit. It is a powerful weapon that we have. And I know that when a mere mortal man who follows Jesus Christ, takes the word of God in his mouth and begins to speak it out. It launches powerful forces in the atmosphere that defeats the devil that changes your circumstances in life. That's why he says that if you, you know, you shall say to the mountain, it doesn't say when you pray for the mountain to be moved, or you hope for the mountain to be moved, or you, you know, you you, you just believe for the mountain to be moved. It doesn't say that. He says, you speak to that mountain. Look, there are times we have to pray and we have to believe, God, I understand that, I acknowledge that, I do that also. And there are times we... At times we believe God for things to happen, but he's talking about speaking to the mountain, speaking to that disease and speaking to that sickness and speaking to that circumstances. He says, then you shall have what you say. It doesn't say you shall have what you believe or what it says. It doesn't say you shall have what you shall pray, but you shall have what you believe what you say. And I'm saying this. I'm emphasizing this that because in traditional Christianity, we talk a lot about praying, you know, just pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. And people say, please pray for me. And uh, we, 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 we talk about praying for everything, praying for this, praying for that. And then we, uh, we often talk about, well, you know, just believe in your heart and do do. but speaking the word is underrated. It is hardly ever spoken about. Speaking the word is underrated. It's totally. In fact, some people even preach against speaking the word because the thing we are talking about some crazy, you know, mind over matter, imagining that things are there. You know, listen, speaking the word is underrated because you see, when you, uh, if you look at Jesus, when he healed the sick, most of the time he just spoke his word. Sometimes he touched them. But many, many times he spoke the word. So that is why, why should we only pray for people, only lay hands on the people and not heal people from diseases by speaking the word to them? And we have to do that because Jesus, now, as I said earlier, Jesus, when, you know, when, when the devil came and tempted him, what did he do? He spoke the word. So this is something we have to teach more about. We have to learn to do and we have to practice in our own lives. Speaking the word of God, speaking to our mountains and speaking to our circumstances, speaking out to, to not, not against, but speaking out to the mountain, speaking to your disease and just speaking to your circumstances. And he says, well, you shall have what you say. You know why? Because you don't speak your own words. You speak the word of God. And years ago, I remember I was in a meeting in Pakistan and and there was a man who was uh, carried. This was in a crusade in Lahore in Pakistan. And I said to the organizers, organizers, I said, I want to be, in a in a Muslim area, don't put me in a Christian area. So they said, okay. So we were in this big park. There's a huge park in the city of Lahore. We were there, and so thousands of people came out. And one night, as I was preaching, they carried a paralyzed man. They came all the way through the crowd and right in front of the pulpit, the platform. Before anyone could spoil, uh, to could stop them, they uh, they lay out a mattress and they. They laid the man, the crippled man, the old man on it, put a, you know, put a pillow and they put his head on the pillow. They, they lay him down, covered him in a blanket and the whole family, about a dozen people sat in a semicircle and they're all looking at me. And now the whole crowd is looking at me and I can't preach anymore because they were looking at this man, looking at me and they're thinking, let's see what this man does. And so I was you know, my I always say, my knees began to have fellowship. I said, oh, my Lord, these people came and I've been preaching about you, about your power. To all these Muslim people, what am I going to do? Because I'm just a young guy, you know, fresh out of Bible school. And, uh, and, and I said, Lord, I need you got to tell me what to do because I've never seen a thing like this before. And so uh i i I didn't know what to do so i was praying i was you know i asked one pastor who was on the platform i said pastor could you lead us in prayer because he had prayed the evening before and he had prayed for 45 minutes you know some pastors they give the whole sermon in a prayer so he had prayed a whole sermon he had gone on and on and so uh, I thought, well, I have forty-five minutes, you know, while he prays. So he began to pray like the evening before, praying for all the countries in the world. It was like he was on a round-the-world trip. And then I, I was sitting, I was standing behind him. I was saying, "Lord, tell me." I was pacing the platform, and then suddenly the Lord said to me, "Do what the master did." And I suddenly knew what I had to do because I remembered the story when the man, the paralyzed man, was lay for was. was lowered from the roof in peter's house and and jesus he said to the man three impossible things that the man couldn't do and jesus said i say unto you rise up take up your bed and go home so i knew i had to speak the word do the same thing not pray for him not lay hands on him but speak the word so i said okay so i took the microphone from the pastor and i looked at the man i said listen I was so scared, you know, I had to make, but I had to, I wanted to make sure that he did what I told him to do. I said to the paralyzed man, I said, listen, watch me. You watch me. I said, I'm going to tell you to do three things and you better do all of them. Because if you don't do those things, you're going going to die. Okay. And I said to his relatives, make sure that he does what I tell him to do. And by this time they're all frightened. The whole crowd is watching me. So I thought, uh, what do I do? Well, I have to tell him, rise up. Take up your bed and walk because the the word that came to me, do what the master did. And then I would say, okay, I'm going to do that. And then, then Jesus said two things to me. He said, he says, the word of God is as powerful today as it was 2000 years ago. Then he said the second thing, the word of God is as powerful in your mouth as it is in the mouth of God. So I knew what I had to do. So I kind of stood at the edge of the platform, looked at the man, closed my eyes. Now my thing was, which translation of the Bible do I use? And I thought, I'll go with the King James. That's all the great men of God use. So, you know, I'm just kidding. I laughed. So I thought, I'll use the King James Bible. So I closed my eyes. I pointed to the crippled man. I said, I say unto you, I use the exact words of Jesus because God said to me, do what the master did. I said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. And my eyes were closed. Suddenly I heard a shout go up from the crowd and I opened up and the man was standing. I said, take up your bed. And he took up the the little mattress he'd been lying on. And I said, I thought to myself, this thing is working. I spoke the words of Jesus and it happened. And then instead of saying, go home, I want to make sure that, you know, that the anointing was still there. I said, run, man, run. And the man took up his pillow and his, that mattress, that mat he was on and he Ran And he ran out of that place. And thousands of people were running after him. All these Muslims. And they were shouting, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I couldn't even give an altar call. And the next time I came, the place was full. And we had a wonderful, wonderful crusade. So I learned one thing, beloved. That there is power in the spoken word. So that's why Jesus said. Jesus says that. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, but you shall not doubt in your heart, but you shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. So, in other words, you take the word of God, beloved, and take it in your mouth, and then you speak the word of God, believing that what you are saying is going to happen and it shall come to pass. So that is the first expression of faith that is speaking the word of God. And this is something we must incorporate into our daily life, speaking the word of God. When I woke, woke, wake up in the morning, I said, thank you, Jesus, that you bore our diseases, carried our pains with your stripes. We are healed. Thank you, Jesus, for your promises of long life and blessing over myself, over Britta, over Emmanuel, Victoria, Gabriel, and my son-in-law, Scotty, my granddaughter, Victoria, and over Scotty's parents. I always include them because they're also family. So we, you know, we, I speak the word of God over our house, over our family, over our houses, over my team in Africa, and make it a practice to speak, to speak, to speak the word of God over your life and over the lives of those who are close to you. Hallelujah. And believe that the word of God that you take in your mouth and speak out of your mouth, God is watching over it in Jeremiah Um, chapter 1, verse 12, God says, I'm watching over my word and I will perform it. Hallelujah. God bless you and we will continue tomorrow. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand over them and their families. Use them mightily for your glory. Father, if there be any sickness in any household, we curse those diseases and infirmities. I speak life and blessing and prosperity and abundance and power into their homes. Let them grow and be strong. Use them for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you and we'll see you again tomorrow.